It's show 134 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, part two of my Richard Reese interview and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. This week, O'Neill announced some rebranding to support their cloud-based services. RM Bridge has been rebranded as O'Neill Bridge, the service that allows end users to manage their off-site assets at record centers directly from their enterprise content management software. And ConnectorSync has been rebranded as O'Neill Sync, the service that allows bi-directional synchronization of metadata between the record center and the cloud utilizing O'Neill Bridge. That's cool beans that you can learn more about at O'NeillSoft.com. Second verse, same as the first, a little bit louder and a little bit worse. Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Hustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me. Welcome back, RIM Nation. I'm glad you're here. Today we're going to play you the second half of my conversation with Richard Reese, the former president, CEO, and chairman of the board of Iron Mountain. If you missed the show last week, it was full of incredible lessons Richard experienced as he led the growth of Iron Mountain. So go back and listen to that show first as it sets the stage for this show today if you haven't already. As you may know, Richard retired last month and a couple of weeks ago I had a chance to interview him. That interview lasted more than an hour, so we split the interview up over two weeks. This today is part two. But before we dive into the interview, let's get quick. Quickly caught up on the latest industry news. Bramble CEO Tom Gorman announced the appointment of Doug Pertz as the group president of Recall. Looks like Doug will join the company this week and he'll be based in Atlanta. Doug Pertz comes from the Boulder U.S. Sanitation Group where he leaves the post of chairman and CEO. Doug has also been the CEO of Clipper Wind Power, a wind turbine manufacturer, and IMC Global, one of the world's largest mining companies. He replaces Elton Potts, who leaves after serving 11 years with Bramble, six of which he's been at the helm of recall. Infofort, a leading rim business in the Middle East and Africa, announced this week the opening of a new 240,000 square foot record center in Dubai. The new center is expected to cater to the growing demand for specialized high security information management services in the region. Infofort has more than 900 employees and operates 15 offices in 11 different countries. So congratulations to Infofort on this, their latest record center. I didn't know this last week, but I wanted to congratulate the following individuals on their election to the NAID board as announced at the conference a few weeks ago. Chris Isabel of iSecure is elected as president-elect. Steve Richards is treasurer. John Anderson of Shred360 is a director. And Michael Massaro of Iron Mountain also as a director. Congratulations and thanks for your service to the information destruction community. Finally, this is sad news. As a RIM community, we want to send Lori Palmer of Reb Storage Systems our condolences and sympathy on her father's passing last weekend. Lori, our thoughts and prayers are with you and Chris, your brother, and the rest of your family. 
That's all the news for this week. If you have news you want to share, drop me a line and let me know. Now, before I queue up the second half of my interview with Richard Reese, here are a few more messages for Richard from people who have been in some way significantly influenced by Richard. Good morning. This is Dave Bergeson, Executive Director of PRISM International. Richard, I wanted to call and extend my congratulations on your official retirement from Iron Mountain this month. I started as Executive Director of PRISM on June 1st of last year. But a couple weeks before then, I was graciously invited to attend the PRISM International Conference. One of the first things I saw at conference was the announcement by Jim Teske that you had been given honorary lifetime membership in PRISM International. Richard, Richard, there's a reason that the entire room rose and gave you a standing ovation. Sure, one of the reasons they rose was all you have done for this industry. More specifically, however, I think they rose because of what you've meant to this industry. Richard, for years you've been a giant in the records and information management industry, and we've been very lucky to have your shoulders to stand on. So congratulations again, Richard, and more importantly, thank you so much. Hello, Richard. This is Ian Thomas of O'Neill Software. I would like to pass on our best wishes for your retirement and to thank you for your leadership in the records and information management industry. Having been fortunate to share some of your ideas, especially on the importance of product integration, I can honestly say that you've been instrumental in advancing the industry along a path that many could not even see existed. Your vision and contributions have ultimately helped the adoption of our company's O'Neill Bridge service, which is now being successfully used by third-party products to help provide global unified record management solutions. As a customer, integrator, and yes, even as a competitor, You've always been gracious, courteous, kind, and supportive. And for that, you have the most sincere best wishes of all of us at O'Neill Software. We hope you enjoy your retirement. Hi, this is Neil Goldman, president of I Am Mountain's Charitable Foundation and friend of Richard. I have had the pleasure of knowing Richard over 25 years and working with him over the past 12 years. You won't find an individual that is more honest and has more integrity than Richard. On May on March first at the Boston Public Library there was a black tie retirement dinner for Richard where he was both roasted and praised. But I think the highlight of the evening for Richard was from the I Am Mountain Employee Relief Fund, which was named after him on Friday night, to say the Richard Reese Mountaineer Charitable Fund. Richard has always give back to his employees and tried to help them and privately and publicly. So we wish Richard the best in, in retirement and take care, my friend. Good luck. Hi, Tom. This is Bob Miller. Uh, Richard and I had the chance to work together for my 25 years with Iron Mountain and I am glad to hear that he is retiring, and it's well-deserved that he's had a wonderful career. Richard touched many people and touched them deeply, and there's a lot of ways to sum up his career, both for the industry and for Iron Mountain, but for me personally, it kind of stands out in two ways. I think the humility with which Richard conducted himself was extraordinary. He never put himself ahead of anything and always had a bias towards seeking out the truth and, uh, and, and, and facts. 
Secondly, and maybe more importantly, I think Richard had a way of making virtually everybody he touched better. Not necessarily better business people, though that was often the case. He just had a way of making them better people. And for me personally, he helped me become a better father and a better parent and a better spouse. And I don't know that I could uh, uh, extend higher praise to anybody. Richard, congratulations. Well done. Cheers. There you have it. Some more confirmation of Richard Reese's influence on the people and the industry that we're a part of. Thanks to Dave, Ian, Neil, and Bob for your messages to Richard. So let's do it. Let's get back into my interview with Richard Reese. Here we go. Well, let, let's maybe move a little bit into the role you've played as a, a leader in the industry, and and I would say sort of your, you know, I've heard you speak at conferences, and you always have generously provided sort of that macro view of what's going on. So I want to ask you some questions related to that. You talk about the stream and the importance of being in that. How has this industry, the RIM industry, been in the right stream, and is, is it still the right stream to be looking in going forward from here? Well, yes. Well, it was the right stream, and it still is, but the stream is different going forward, and I'll talk about that in a second. But, look, um, you have to be in the right stream, and in this case, it's it's a just a big trend of information becoming more valuable, and we all know why, so I won't go through all of that, that spill. But information is becoming more valuable and will continue to become more valuable. Therefore, we're in the right, the right stream mm-hmm. and so forth. And, you know, I've always taken, and I've... I think I went to my first PRISM meeting. It was called ACRC at the time. It was in Atlanta. I remember it. In fact, ACRC was founded in Iron Mountain's offices with four or five independent vendors, and one of my predecessors got together and said, we need an industry association. And and I think I went to probably the second real conference they ever had. I believe it was the second, second or third, something like that. And they've done all but one since then. And I've always been a big believer in, in the association because it's a great place for people who are compete. Most of the people in the industry don't compete with each other because they're in different cities. So right. it's a great place for them to exchange information. But even for us that compete with a lot of them, it's still a good place to meet your competitors. You love to hear all the stories of how bad it tells you how good you're doing and how bad you're doing. But, you know, you judge and we have our data. We know what we're doing. Yeah. But it's still worth that for us. For us, it was a great place to make contacts for people who might want to eventually sell. So it had a lot of positive advantages to us. But in the final analysis, my view has always been that we wanted to make the industry healthy because if the industry was healthy and did a good job, that's a better opportunity for all of us. Right. The more people who are out there being professional, the more customers who will outsource their records. Right. It's just that simple. We couldn't. We, Iron Mountain, could not have picked up, sold, picked up, delivered, whatever, and assembled that many records in that time period by ourselves. We tried. Many, many entrepreneurs did a great job of building groups of records, local businesses, all assembled customers, and for, for various reasons decided they wanted to sell them, and that's the, the fabric of, of probably half of our growth. And mm-hmm. That's been important to us. But it's also important to have to keep the stream, as I say, you know, very, very healthy. And you do that through good industry trade associations. And so we've always been active. I served as the president for once. We've always had our mountaineers who have been willing to serve. And we tend to 
we'll fund projects and we'll share things. And yeah. we've just taken that attitude because we think a healthy trade association and a healthy industry is good for everybody. And so it's we've always tried to take on things that, with the belief that if it's good for us, it's good for the industry and vice versa. So I think the industry is going to struggle uh, a little bit going forward because uh, I think you'll, uh, you'll find fewer new entrants. Yeah. Partly because the capital are required, and partly because we all know the growth rate of outsourcing has has come down. And I still believe that some of the growth rate declines, and we saw our nothing saw substantial decreases in what we call internal growth in 2008 and 9. And as you all know, the uh, storage growth rate decline lagged the economy decline approximately by 15 months, whereas the, we saw service activity decline almost lockstep with GDP decline. I believe some of that growth will come back if we and when we get back to a much healthier, broader economy. But I also believe a lot of things have changed. Our largest customer segment of financial services is under great pressure and great change, so they're not going to be uh, as booming or in as good a shape as they were in the past. Healthcare, another major customer base, as you know, has spent more like 60 to $80 billion will be spent on, on healthcare records. That is increasing storage, but decreasing activity, lightning fast. Right, and you you will expect that to continue. To paper records in the healthcare business will basically be dead. They'll be true archival. Data protection in general, because of, uh, of the various online redundant system solutions, the the, the tapes are becoming much less active uh, at a very fast pace. The tapes are still growing, but and I think they'll keep growing because. Customer after customer, including some of the largest online providers in the world, are our, our data protection customers, and they're they're growing tapes at a very fast pace. And they've had outages, regardless of the fact that they have totally redundant and sometimes triple redundant systems. They still got to go back to tapes, tapes yeah. because they get viruses. They, yeah. you know, we know all the reasons. Yeah. And nobody has invented nor is on the horizon technology that'll do a better job that way. So I, I don't see that business going away. I, I think all of it will do better with a better economy, but I don't see us going back to the good old days of 6, 8, 9, 10% internal growth ever. I think the developed markets, which we classify as pretty much as the English-speaking world, right. U.S., Canada, U.K., Australia, and some of Western Europe, but pretty much the English-speaking world are the most highly developed and most outsourced markets. You've got two or three trends going on. You've got, finally, the evolution of technologies making the creation of paper slow down. You've also got the fact that about half or more of the market has made an outsourced decision, and by far the very large customers have. Right. So what it means is more money, more time, more energy selling smaller customers. But there's still people to be outsourced, and there will be. And Iron Mountain will get some, and so are all the people out there that listen. There's still business there. But it matters less. It's at a slower pace. But that doesn't mean it's not there, and it doesn't mean it didn't grow. We believe that makes you a, a very low single-digit growing business. Hmm. Now, as long as the economy is growing in that range, that's fine. The economy grows. There was a time in which we grew internally at twice GDP very easily. And we're still growing at you know, one times GDP or so. But if GDP were to be higher, I'd love to see one times GDP. If you give me a 4% GDP, I'd love to see us grow at 4%. Right. That would be a good number. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I see. Uh, I think there'll be some of that, but I also think a lot of it will never come back. And I think uh, you know people have to think harder about their portfolio of their real estate. They have to think harder about how they manage their assets. And they have to think a little harder about you know if they hit the top of the business. And the answer is we have. The businesses are mature. 
that doesn't mean they're going to go away. It just means you got to do some different things in the future. Yeah. So in the last two to three years, there's been another, what I would consider a substantial round of acquisitions from players like Access, RetrieveX, which are now consolidated, Cornerstone, and you even talked about the continued acquisition uh, that Iron Mountain does. There are larger regional types also acquiring. Is there really much left to buy and roll up? How far can this really go given the fact what you just said, less and less people are coming in because of, of more mature markets and tougher, tougher competition? Can this acquisition go on for very long? What's your crystal ball on all that? Oh, yeah. Look, cause not everybody wants to sell all at the same time. And so I said, it's, it's hard to make somebody sell their business unless they're ready and they want to. I mean, you can offer them just you know, egregious amounts of money versus what it's worth, but you can't do that long because you'll go broke. Right. And so, yeah, I think it will take a while. And there are quite a few players. We continue to be surprised about people we find out there who are bigger than you might think and mm-hmm. who are doing well. And a lot of them, are, unfortunately, are not members of the trade associations, which is too bad. I think we need to, together, all of us do a better job of getting all the local providers into the association because it's just good for the industry, as I said, and supports the association. And as we do, as the association, as more and more companies are acquired, the association will struggle a bit, you know, having the financial wherewithal, and we'll have to continue, or you guys will have to continue to manage that well to make sure you keep it healthy. Right. But yeah, I think there's still quite a bit out there, quite frankly. And, and you know, you do have, your, you've got your consolidators, you know, you've got, you, you mentioned Access, and Access bought RetrieveX, and then you got another one. Cornerstone. Cornerstone. Yeah. And then there, as I said, you've got regional players and some people locally consolidating, but that's all part of the dynamic of a market like this. And all it tells you is what I said in the beginning, that markets that are fragmented consolidate. Yeah. And in the very long time, I don't know how far that out, it, all, none of these businesses any, need any more than three or four valid competitors. Okay. And, you know, go to Canada and look at their banking system and look at the U.S. banking system yeah. and look how much it's consolidated, but look how much further it's got to go. But guess what? It's continuing and it will continue. It'll go through speed ups and slowdowns, but you have to drive efficiency, uh, particularly at this stage of the market. While we were all just moving boxes in and growing as fast as we could handle it, efficiency was not the problem. But today, if the growth rates that our customers are presenting to you, you've got to drive efficiencies. And you can look at alternative products and adjacent services, but as many people know, there's nothing better than the box business. And so everything you compare to it as an adjacency, you go, nah, that's nice, but it's not that nice. Hmm. And there's a lot to be done to make these better businesses. There's a lot you can do in services, a lot, but it's all about driving efficiency, and that means it will consolidate more. It doesn't matter how fast it will happen, not if it will happen. So that, I think, though, also leads to what many consider a highly commoditized marketplace. But for the small to mid-sized independent rim operator, let's call them, how do they make it and succeed in this highly commodity-driven large player dominated by the Iron Mountains and some of these other consolidators? How does the small to mid-sized person that eventually will be purchased really compete in that marketplace? Well, look, they, I think, do a very good job. Uh, they, there's many of them out there do a, a superb job, and if you talk to them, they have different strategies. Most of the smart ones, frankly, stay stay below our radar, mm-hmm. and and they go for smaller customers that are, frankly, easier to service and that are higher margin, and they make good money. Yeah, That doesn't mean we'll leave them alone forever, uh, or I'm not going to leave them alone forever, because I'm sure they won't. 
but it still leaves a lot of room. They want to go for the larger customers, as you probably all know. The pricing in the large customer segment is, you know, is down in the tank, and it's you have to be extremely efficient to make money at the price levels that are out there. So it goes back to you're going to have to be more efficient, and you're going to have to look for efficiency in your own business, and or you'll wind up consolidating and taking your gains in order not to compete, but to, you know, be able to do well. And and there are people who are doing unique plays on the service and so forth. Those are interesting sometimes, but that works pretty well for a local entrepreneur on a local basis for a while. But most of what you see is not scalable. Oh, okay. Meaning it's very hard to operate in 50 places and 50 locations. So as an entrepreneur, it's a good way to generate cash and everything else, but it doesn't actually build the value of the business that much. Because if it's not scalable, the consolidators are not likely to pay you a lot for that part. Hmm. So you have to you have to be intelligent about you know it's not that I wouldn't tell people not to do services like that. Do it, make your profit, make sure it is profitable, uh, make your profits and so forth. But keep an eye on what you're trying to do. And you know if you're building a business to hand to your your children and pass on down the line, that's one strategy because you can you can afford to stay within a certain size range. You can afford to. Uh, Run the business for free cash flow. Look, this industry so, so for so long has run the business for growth because there was so much growth coming at them. I'm not so sure the industry understands in total how, what it means to run it for free cash flow. But when you start to run a business for free cash flow, more is more weight in your thinking than running it for growth. You look at not only every penny, but you look at pulling the cash out of the business. Right. And then you ask yourself, what do you do with the cash that you pull out of the business? Well, you can find other places to invest it. And in the case of our mountain as a public company, we pulled, uh, I think, $2.2 billion out of the business to our shareholders in the last couple of years. Hmm. Okay. And that's because that was more than we needed to invest. You'll see more of that kind of cycle. You'll see a lot of the private uh, independent operators realizing that, yeah, I have a choice here. Am I going to uh, build another building? Go out and find, you know, take might take, used to take two years to fill it, it might take five. Uh, the average price in that building might be lower. Am I going to do that, or I'm going to manage my portfolio customers through price, uh, such that I keep what I have full, and that I gush the most free cash flow I can, and take that out of the business and do something else with it. People are making those choices, and you'll see them making more of those choices as time goes on, and different people will make different choices, obviously, depending yeah. on where they, they are in their life cycle and what they want to do with their business. But the answer is there are more complicated strategies. It's not one-size-fits-all, and every entrepreneur has got to think about their time horizon. A lot of this has to do with time horizon. If you think you're going to own that business for 20 more years, I'd do one thing. If you think you're going to own it for three to five more years, you do something else. Right. So if a young woman approaches you and says she wants to get into this business in maybe the more uh, substantial way as a as a comprehensive provider of all of the services, what would be the top three pieces of advice you'd give her? Don't. <laughs> Even though I think it's a good business, I think it's a little late to do startup. Okay. Because uh, the, the return profiles are different. You look at the consolidators that are out there now, the Cornerstone and Access are both private equity funded. Private equity model is such that you have to grow fast, you have to uh, optimize it, and you have to sell it. They'll have to get to a place, whether they're an Iron Mountain or Brambles or one of the other consolidators that buys them or they buy each other. They have to have an exit. That's a, just a very different game than we were able to do. 
us as well as all the people that are in the industry today who've been able to take a much longer view. This is a very long business to build. Yeah. So I, I think it would be, I personally would not bring outside capital in to do a startup in the business. Hmm. If they want to go start doing acquisitions to get a core, that has historically been the most successful strategy to build something of scale in large. So you'd probably look at doing that. But even then, it's the economics have changed and things are different. You need you need to have a platform to consolidate an acquisition into to make the economics make sense. Right. As a standalone business, uh, swapping from one player to the other that's not working today. Hmm. Unless the seller wants to take a much lower price, and I don't blame them, I wouldn't either. Yeah. A couple of years ago, you gave a State of the Union address at the PRISM conference in Reno. And in that address, you stated that this rim business was your, what you considered the second best business in the world. But you did not disclose the best business. And for the last three, two to three years since you did that, there has been a buzz in the industry about what you thought the best one was. So what is the best business and why do you think it's better than this business? Well, you know, let's see. I'll have to go back in time to remember what I was thinking about then. I honestly don't remember what I had in my mind, so I'm sorry I created That's a complete button. letdown, it, Richard. That's a complete yeah, letdown. Oh, my goodness, because we've all been wondering what it, what, what it was. Well, now, look, there are better businesses out there, but the characteristics of a great business, which I think we have a lot of them, look, there, there is no better business than, than the hard copy document storage business, particularly in the days where the customers were sending you dramatically more boxes than they were destroying and you had a, just a, a built-in return of work. That's almost unheard of in any any business. You know, you didn't really have to go work hard to get that growth. Most of that is over, as you as you know. Right. There's still yeah. customers doing it, but on average, okay. But in any point in time, and if you look out in the markets, there's always somebody who's hot. I mean, let I me mean, look at look at Apple, look at Google, and all those. And you know, Google is a better business. Let's be clear. Yeah. I mean, they, they they're giant, but they'll have their day, and what they all have their cycles. And in the technology business, it doesn't take long. I can remember when Apple was on their knees. They've been our customer for a long time. And I can remember when they're on their knees. I can remember talking to them when they couldn't sell some of their uh, different generations. And then, you know, they rejuvenated themselves and it's a phenomenal business and they've done a wonderful job. But so there's a lot of businesses that in sh- you know, over short cycles and so forth, the better. But I've not ever seen any that have the annuity characteristics that have good returns on capital. There are a lot of businesses that have much higher returns on capital, by the way, but who can sustain it over such a long period of time. And that's been the strength of, I think, the REM industry. And I think the REM industry, as I said, has got a bright future. It's a different future. It's not. It doesn't have the growth of the past. Mm-hmm. The growth of Iron Mountain, uh, we will get and are getting substantial growth. They're in emerging markets. The emerging markets of the world have uh, 20 to 25 years of outsourcing ahead of them, just like North America did. And so you can see good double-digit uh, internal growth rates. You can see uh, a lot of things going on. But there are very different places to do business. It's, it's not for the uh, faint heart. Uh, it, <laughs> it's a different business climates, uh, different investment parameters, and different lots of things. And we've done really well in some and less well in others. But as an entrepreneur, you better make sure you choose the right one because some some have been dogs. We've gotten out of some where we got out of Italy. Which I, I, I don't want to knock the country because I love to visit there and I love the food. But it's a horrible place to do business for an outsider. Hmm. And we just concluded we couldn't do it. And uh, so, you know, there, like I said, there's a lot of good things. We think, with a global perspective, we know we have lots more opportunities. You know, we're doing a lot of work in the Asian realm and so forth. 
that will give us growth for a long period of time. In North America, it's about driving efficiency. It's about some adjacent services, which we've, we've gotten working on. And it's about, uh, and I think the business uh, will get tougher on everybody as we all fight for a smaller pie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that will cause more people to decide it's time to, to sell. And I think we're going to go through all those cycles. Uh, don't get me wrong. We and others are be, will be more aggressive. We, I, I, you know, I'm sorry, I haven't been out of Iron Mountain long enough to not call it we. And, yeah. and for, for the record, I am not an employee anymore. Right. Well, actually, for the record, just for the record, I am an advisor to him right now. But uh, I have no official capacity at Iron Mountain anymore. Hmm. Although I am a large shareholder, and uh, so I wouldn't tell you anything that I didn't think was in their best interest. Right. I do think that, as I said, the future is different, but I don't, I'm not depressed about it. I don't feel bad about it. I think uh, people will have to behave in different ways, and I think there are more options and choices that individual REM owners you know, will have to make. And uh, I, they're smart people. I think some will make better decisions than others, but I don't know. I think they'll do fine. You're, we're talking to you on, as you just mentioned, you're no longer with Iron Mountain officially. You're still a shareholder and advisor, but you're no longer with them. Um, and you've had an incredible career. Have there been specific people along the way that you consider as critical or instrumental to your success in the business? Uh, and if you're comfortable sharing, who have they been and what have they meant to you? Oh, yeah, there have been a lot of them. And uh, I'll certainly mention some names, but I want to caveat it that this is by no means a, uh, an exhaustive list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, How can it be? I'll miss, miss people. But you know, we've had eras, and, and I've been lucky at Iron Mountain. You know, I started, as I said, a joint, it was $3 million. Many of the old-timers in prison will know the name Don Hughes, who's no longer with us. And I don't mean with the company. He died a few years ago. Uh, Don was just a stalwart in the industry and a great human being, and he was just a great partner for me. And I raised the money and uh, and did some of the selling and, and, and so forth, and Don made it happen. He was just a guy that, they can-do attitude and really fostered in our mountain, a real can-do attitude and hmm. so forth. So you got people like Don Hughes. We, we have another gentleman who, after we bought Bell & Howell, was just a real key guy named Bob Swift, who operated out of the West Coast, uh, came to us out of the Bell & Howell acquisition, but uh, was with us a long time. He died the last few months ago, so unfortunately, we're all getting older. Yeah. But Bob was a great friend, and you know there have been people in my life that, I always judge it, says, you know, if you're in the battle line and you're a foxhole, who do you want on your left and your right? And it would be Bob on one side and Don on the other. Wow. Having said that, some people remember David Wendell, who was president of Iron Mountain in our early days for a while. He was extremely uh, instrumental in a lot of things we did and left at the time of the Pierce merger. Many people remember John Kenny, yeah. who was our CFO, who did a lot of the M&A work. He bought a lot of businesses in, in the industry, and John's remains a good friend, and he, he decided to go on and just off on his own right now. And people know a lot of people from the prison days, uh, people like Mike Holland, they know well in the prison days who was an independent operator who stayed with Iron Mountain over a long period of time. And as you probably know, we've occasionally kept uh, the entrepreneurs who've stayed with us, but we usually find that we almost always, in fact, the, the core mountaineers were and are, in a lot of cases, people who came to us through acquisitions. People that were companies before us, and they found it a good place to stay and build a career. It was typical the entrepreneurs either didn't want to stay in many cases or stayed a while and, and left. And But there were a few who stayed long-term, and Mike being one of them, he's found success with us over the years. So yeah. it's worked out well, and you know I could go on and on and on with a long list of people. They were kind enough to give me a party before I retired, and so I made sure to invite 
as many of the people as I could get there to it, and we had a very good time and, uh, and so forth. So oh, you know, this great. is not a journey that Richard Reese did. I was fortunate enough to be the CEO and the you know the the man at the helm for for all of it, but by no means the you know, and everybody that's worked with me will absolutely reinforce this. By no means did I do it all or that, yeah. that it happened by magic by me. Yeah. Okay. So, but within that, I believe there's values or beliefs or actions that have been a catalyst to your own personal and professional success. Could you name what, what you consider some of the strongest, most important beliefs, values, or, or actions that have been a critical part of just the way you believe and think and act every day? Uh, sure. It's uh, it's actually pretty easy. It's encapsulated in one phrase that I talk a lot about. It says, do the right thing. If you do the right thing by your customers, your employees, and shareholders, you're going to have your best chance of being successful. And it's not always clear what the right thing is up front. A lot of people like to rationalize it. So the trick of a manager or owner or any leader is to is spend your time to figure out what the right thing is. And if the right thing is bad for you but good for your customer, you're going to have to do it and, hmm. and play for the long haul. And same thing for your shareholder. And you've got to communicate and bring people along sometimes, particularly shareholders, on what the right thing is because they all want to argue about that. But if you're just driven by doing the right thing, and that's a culture that we've tried to instill among Mountaineers since I've been there, and we, we screw it up. Don't get me wrong. We, we do bad things, wrong things. We make mistakes, but we don't do them maliciously. And if we, and if we find people that did, we, we toss them out. If you just keep that as your North Star, that works. And every time we've sort of gotten away from that, it didn't work so well. And yeah. uh, that's what's driven me. And I guess I got lucky by that. I don't know where, I, where it came about in my life that I just figured it's always easy to do the right thing and let the chips fall where they were. Hmm. So if, if you had the chance to go back to 1981 when you started with Iron Mountain, is there anything now with all you know today that you might have done differently? Oh, God, yeah. The, the, the list is so long and really? mistakes made and opportunities missed that those, I, I couldn't even, we could be talking there for a week. <laughs> of course, I do a whole lot of things differently, but, you know, I wouldn't, I, I'd do it all over again, too. I would, would you? know, I, I would, uh, oh, yeah, they, you know, there have been a lot of, a lot of issues, a lot of things come up, and a lot of things I regret, and a lot of uh, things I wish hadn't happened. Uh, but there have also been a lot of wonderful opportunities and events and, and successes and, uh, but, you know, net-net, I like where we are, and I like, you know, I'm proud of uh, my career at Iron Mountain. I'm proud of the company, and I'm proud of the people that are, that are still there. Hmm. Uh, you know, I do want to put a plug in for my successor, Bill Meany. He's, uh, it took us a couple of years to find the right guy, but he absolutely uh, is the right guy, I think, and the right cultural fit, and he's quite smart. And he will, you know, he'll be out at prison. People will get a chance to meet him. Uh, and, and at armor and trade shows, and you'll go up and introduce yourself. He's a nice guy, and I think he'd be interested in what you have to say and what, what Iron Mountain can do to uh, continue to evolve and help the industry. Yeah. So you have the ears of your records and information management colleagues and comrades today. Some have been in the game a long time like you, uh, back to ACRC days, uh, others just getting started or somewhere in the middle. Uh, as what I consider the elder statesman of this big wonderful, amazing industry. What would you like to say to anyone, everyone listening to you today? Well, I, really, I'd like to thank them. I, as I said, I couldn't have done and, and built Iron Mountain or been part of this without the employees and 
A lot of mountaineers are still active at the company, and mountaineers are no longer active. But I can say the same thing about many friends in the industry, mm-hmm. some of whom are no longer active or have left the industry and remain friends, some of whom are, frankly, no longer living. And there's a lot of people in the last, say, 10 years in the industry that, quite frankly, I don't know as well. Yeah. You know, although I you know, went to the base, you know, the prison shows, you know, as you get bigger and the show gets bigger, you just you don't meet as many new people as you'd like to, frankly. But I think uh, collectively it's a great industry of people, and uh, it, we, we would not have been as successful if they had not also been as successful. And even though we've competed in many cases head-to-head, and I know some of them hate our guts, <laughs> I've heard all the stories and the bragging and everything else, but net-net, we've done well, and I think they've done well, and I think that's a good thing for everybody, and I appreciate their contributions to all that. Hmm. You don't seem to me a retirement kind of guy. I I know you tried to get out a few years ago, and you got pulled back in, but for someone who, you know, to me, you have one of the most astute brains uh, that, that I've ever witnessed. What's next? Where do you go from here? What's the next chapter in Richard Reese's life? Well, as, as I told you earlier, I'm uh, I'm talking to you from Florida, where my wife and I came last night, having left Boston. It's just too cold. Yeah. Then I get to Florida, and it's 60 degrees here, which is too cold <laughs> for me. Uh, but I'm going to, uh, you know, it's a pretty simple strategy. I'm going to spend six to nine months doing nothing and getting bored, then some travel, and see how bored I can get. I've got at least that much time of uh, personal business life to, uh, particularly the last couple of years when I went back to work and went back in the CEO role. I put a, put a lot of things on hold, and I've got to you know, go back and just take care of all that kind of stuff. So mm. that'll take me six to nine months. And then after I do that, you know, I'll raise my head, and I'll, I'll go figure out. You know, I'm 67 years old, I think, something like that. And uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do next. Probably I w- you will not see me in the records business. Uh, almost certainly you won't see me in the records business. And probably I won't go back to work in any particular company. Right. But I, I do sit on one, one company, public board, and I'll continue doing that. And, I, you know, I have left Iron Mountains board, but this is another company called Charles River Labs. It's a great company in the, in the biotech medical uh, right. services business, pharmaceutical services. I'll either sit on some boards if I get too bored, or I will uh, do some, some consulting. Uh, and I've got a lot of charity work that I've got to figure out. I've, I've been fortunate in terms of amassing a reasonable amount of personal wealth that is well over what anybody needs. And so my wife and I plan to find ways to give a good part of that away. And I'm learning that giving away money is about as hard, maybe harder, doing it intelligently. It's easy to do unintelligently. Giving oh, away intelligence yeah. is probably harder be harder than making it. Now I understand why Warren Buffett, who I'm about nowhere near his, his level of anything, well, I understand why he outsourced it to Bill Gates. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. So, you know, I've got a variety of things like that to go figure out. And uh, when I do, I'll, I'll, I'm sure it'll keep busy. But right Good. now, I'm looking forward to being bored and hopefully a little warmer for a while. Good. Are you still drumming? Yeah, actually, I am. Uh, not much. But I, uh, in my retirement party, I actually got a chance to... Uh, to sit down on the drum kit with Max Weinberg of the E Street Band. Wow! And uh, that was an, uh, the E Street Band. Why his 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 large orchestra was there, and through some uh, common acquaintances, he he came, and uh, I had a good time. Oh, that's but I'm not drumming. I'm not drumming enough to uh, make a living at it and keep my day job, as I say. Yeah. 
Well, Richard, I, I have to say thank you. Thank you on behalf of the records and information management industry and community for your incredible leadership and contribution over the years. Thank you for being a visionary and jumping into the stream and making it into a huge river for so many people. Uh, I, I think your presence in this industry will forever be felt, but immediately and I think permanently missed. So congratulations on such an amazing and successful career. I wish you a retirement full of infinite possibility and overflowing with the benefits that come from the incredible years of service you've given us. Uh, best wishes to you and Janet from all of us in the rim industry. Well, I appreciate your kind words and, and your interest in having me do this. And uh, I'd say thank you again to the entire industry, and I wish you all well. And I hope that my my views of the future are, are even for are more conservative, and I hope that you all do extremely well, and uh, hopefully we'll cross paths somewhere in the future. Well, thank you. Oh, I, I, I hate to do this, but i got to step in and say you've got to come back for next week's show to get the rest of this amazing interview with uh, Richard Reese. If you want to be notified when the show will be live, just place your name in the subscribe box on the right side of the rimproreport.com website. We'll email you the details of every show, but specifically the one next week. Thanks to Richard for taking the time he dedicated to sharing his story with us. Next week is going to be incredible. I know the rest of the story already because the interview's done, and Richard and I will talk a lot about what's happening in the industry, what he sees in his crystal ball, and a whole lot more. Thanks again for joining us and a special thanks to O'Neill Software, our exclusive show sponsor. O'Neill has been in the game just about as long as Richard Reese has. In fact, it was 30 years ago their software became the number one and first commercially available software for the record storage industry. That spirit of innovation and leadership continues to this day. Check them out yourself at O'NeillSoft.com. We'll be back next week with round two of the interview. Have a great one. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.